Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Texans lost in a close, down-to-the-wire thriller to the Falcons. It's not the result we wanted, but it's the result that we got. Tom and I are going to break it down, the good, the bad, the ugly, what we saw, what we didn't, on today's episode of The Bullpen. I'm James Roy, and this is my co-host, Tom. We are here ready to talk about the Texans, even though I think we'd rather be talking on a victory Monday. This is just a normal run-of-the-mill Monday. And, you know, Tom, I just want to hear from you. What what was your biggest takeaway from the game? We'll get right at it because I'd just love to know what you think. Biggest takeaway for me, I really feel like the Texans are, are a work in progress still. The, the, this, a finished product probably gets the W. The fact that there's still some some improvements they can make. I, I mean, they scored five times. Normally, when you talk about a team that scores five times, you feel pretty confident they get a win. Uh, the fact that three or I'm sorry, four of them were field goals. That's something that they got to improve. They got it. They got to have that finish to a lot of their drives. And that was really the difference in a really close game on the road, where I think maybe if they're at home, maybe they get that win. Yeah, I agree with you that the scoring, um, more specifically, the red zone scoring was off to me. I believe three of those field goals, if I'm not mistaken, came within the 20-yard line. Um, There was a questionable decision early on. um, On the first field goal, the Texans were fourth and one at the 20-yard line. Um, I I mean, D'Amico has spoken to how he wants to be an aggressive team that doesn't settle. It seems very against the philosophy of the team to to sit back and, and take that field goal instead of you know, having some confidence in your offense and maybe trying to punch in uh, and get a first down and set yourself up for possibly a touchdown to start the game. Um, it, it sets a different tone for the game, you know, depending on who you're asking. I mean, it just it just kind of reminds me, I don't like making comparisons to the Bill O'Brien days. There's some people that will tell you that he's the best coach that we've had so far, some that won't. Um, but either way, it's undeniable against the Chiefs, the Texans, up, tw- you know, 21 to nothing settle for a field goal after a timeout and an awkward call. It changed the tone of the game, and that's what happened today. Um, as Early on, the tone was set that we settled, and then we, I, I feel like we carried that forward. There were other things, obviously, that affected the game, but for me, the biggest takeaway was red zone scoring and just kind of you know settling in the red zone personally. But let's, let's dive in a little deeper and get more specific. You and I watched this game um, together, 
and um, and I'm going to bring up a point that we talked about significantly. Maybe it wasn't as pronounced as we we thought it was, but it feels like Bobby Slowick is trying to make Tank Dell Debo Samuel. Now, Tank Dell left the game with a concussion, but there was a lot of handoffs in the backfield and and a lot of a lot of things that would lead you to believe that they drafted Tank Dell thinking that he's Debo Samuel. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a mistake. I think these two guys are not the same build, not the same stature. I don't think that you can uh, expose Tank Dell to that kind of punishment. Or Debo's a big guy. Debo could probably take the handoff 10 times from the quarterback and probably be okay with it. Where Tank Dell, I I think too many shots like that, he's probably going to end up with a lot more than a concussion. Uh, hopefully this isn't something that's going to keep him out long-term. I definitely feel that he's a key part of this offense and their ability to move the ball. Uh, he's, he's got incredible speed, incredible route running. And I think that should be featured more than just trying to fit him into a scheme that Bobby Sloak is familiar with in, you know, having a dynamic wide receiver that can also take the handoff occasionally. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's more important to establish him as the wide receiver that he is. He's, He's dynamic. He gets open, and you know he's a smaller guy. He's five eight, and and so putting him through the ringer, he's he took some some of his more aggressive hits on those run plays. Um, I think it just sets him up for a lack of durability and a lack of longevity um, on the field. But sticking in in the same theme of the wide receiver group, um, Nico Collins didn't see as much target volume as we thought. Robert Woods, in my opinion, was a little off. Um, there was some some catches. That in past in the past two weeks he's made that have that have been crucial to moving the moving the sticks and setting the Texans up to score that he didn't make. Um, and other than that, I mean, I, I felt like Dalton Schultz emerged. But what do you think this means for the receiver group? Is this is this more indicative of how Stroud played? Is this is this a regression from based on how the offense was being called? Like, what did you see out there? For me, I felt like it was more indicative of what. Uh the Atlanta Falcons have as a defense. That was a very good defense over there. I think it was a really good job by CJ Stroud to take what was given as opposed to trying to force things where Nico was, was being defended by either AJ Terrell or uh, I struggle with the other guy's name. Uh, Go ahead. I, I think it's Hughes. There was another cornerback named Hughes. He's a first round pick for the Vikings that they had, but, I think he came in in relief of Terrell when Terrell went injured. So I don't know who their other cornerback is. Well, yeah, but I mean, they've got really good safeties too. Uh, so for me, I think it was a lot more about trying to find mismatches in the middle of the field as opposed to on the outside where Nico Collins does a lot of his work. He was targeted. They did get him the ball. I just don't think you're going to get one of those big explosive days from him against this team where they're really geared to shut that down. And, and I've seen a lot of people talking about how, oh, the film's out there. The film's out there. So everyone saw what Bobby Slowick's calling and the Falcons shut us down because the film's out there. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I, I am going to give credit to the Falcons defense. I personally underestimated them throughout the week. Um, it, it's a defense that definitely held C.J. Stroud accountable. And I, I'll say that, that C.J. Stroud's performance, while not super impressive just looking at the stat sheet, um, compared to the defense he was facing, I think that he held his own um, and he was called upon, I think some might say a little less than than we would expect based off the fact that our, the run game just never really got off the ground. 
Um, so the, the reason I said play calling earlier is, is that I feel like, you know, the script was there. I, so to some extent, the Falcons defense is talented. I will say they probably um, observed trends in Bobby Slovak's play calling. And, that, and the one trend is, okay, well, on first down, he's likely going to run it. It's likely going to be between the tackles. And so what it happened is, is it looked like a lot of first downs were between the tackles for a yard or two. And that's just not a good start to a, a drive. I, I feel like in previous weeks, you know, when we were doing a more diverse set of play calls on first down, the Texans were being set up with shorter second down situations or getting more first downs on first down. And it, it, it fuels the offensive momentum. Whereas this week it was a lot of like, okay, well, you know, second and eight and then an incompletion on second down. And now, now we're on third down and eight. And, and so where CJ Stroud has an excellent completion percentage on third downs, but this week it just felt like he didn't really have much to work with. I, do you, do you feel the same? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I don't necessarily think that the, the, the way you painted the way they operated on first down was entirely accurate. I think they had some success. I just think they got a little predictable. I think there would be times where they would double up on a run play and, and, and that made, you know, for an easier time dealing with them as opposed to maybe mixing in a little play action. I don't think they got enough play action in earlier. Again, I'm not an offense coordinator, just my personal opinion. I would have liked to see it a little more. Uh, I also think that they, they did something that I thought was really good by moving Titus Howard to the left-hand side uh, alongside of Laramie Tunsil, but they rarely ran that direction. It was something I was noticing a lot early on they were going to the right and having these guys pull. And I think that was just kind of playing into the Atlanta Falcons defense a little bit where I think it might've been better to run at the, the Falcons D on that side to have Laramie and Titus open up holes. Uh, nothing taking nothing away from, you know, the other side of the line. I just think that would have been a strength. Yeah. And, and I agree with you there. Do you, do you think that the run game is, is reason to be concerned right now? Do you think that, that what we're seeing from Damian Pierce is, is a product of the scheme or the product of the line. Like, I mean, I, I've seen it said that, that our starters on offensive line didn't grade well run blocking before, and now they're all coming back. So we're getting improved offensive linemen that just, I guess, were never really that good at run blocking to begin with is what I've read in places. But um, do you think that where, – where do you think the fault lies? Because, I mean, personally, I don't think it's on Damian Pierce – I think that I think that he's being set up for failure, but that's just my take. Yeah, I think they're really struggling with how they want to utilize him and how they want to like push this offense going forward. I think sometimes they they fall in love with what CJ Stroud can do and and I mean he's been very good. So it's kind of hard not to want to feed him. I I do think however, you look at the the box scores, they ain't got 20 carries. So they are trying to stay balanced. It was it was not quite there. Obviously, the score kind of dictated that a little bit. They were down late and had to come back and that sort of thing. But um, I just feel like you ran into a good defense. I think as the season goes along, they're going to play teams that that don't do a great job of stopping the run. They're going to have big days. I don't feel that uh, this this part of the offense early on is like a question mark. Like, is Damian Pierce not the guy or? Can they not run it? I think as as the season goes on, it'll get better. Okay, I, I agree with you. I think that it, it's um for me, it's a cohesion thing with the offensive line. We we've not had a single week where it was steady, and the past two weeks prior, 
you know, we, we leaned so heavy on the passing game that the running game kind of got its opportunities later on because we had put the game in a good spot. Whereas in this game, running was like something that was done to occasionally give CJ a break because we were behind um, at points. And then at other points, it was just too close. Like you couldn't run constantly and then risk ending in a, in a bad possession. But a lot of times just, you know, either way we were having some bad possessions in the middle of the game. Um, but I, I, I do want to talk about that last drive going up on that last score. But before we lead into that, um, I, one of the, the things that I observed throughout the game, it, it's to me a common trend throughout most games is that even no matter how good your defense is, if you don't get any offensive support, eventually the defense breaks. It, it's, it's inevitable that at some point it, it's bend, don't break. But at the end of the game, you, you hope you've given yourself enough padding that your defense can, can break a little bit and you don't lose the game. But the Texans never really pulled away because they weren't scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They set themselves up to be in a close game, and then they let you know Desmond Ritter started lighting it up late in the game, and, and the game remained close. Um, do you agree with me in this assessment that the defense was good but was just not set up for success, or do you think that there's any reason to be concerned about the defensive side of the ball at this point? I really don't think that's a that's a big issue. I, I I look at some things that, you know, probably won't be talked about, but Bijan Robinson struggled. You know, their running game specifically struggled. They ran the ball thirty six times for ninety six yards for an average of two point seven yards. And I think Bijan I mean, had like sixty of them. Uh, he had forty six. Forty six. Yeah, okay. he did. He did some work in the pass game. He had. There you go. I think I'm thinking yards. of his total yards. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I mean, when you think about it, he was a big area of concern for me, and they held him in check. Now other guys got off. You saw a big day from Kyle Pitts, seven yeah. catches for 87 yards, which he hasn't done on 11 targets in three games, right? And yeah. Drake London, six catches for 76 yards. They they spread the ball out. I, I mean, this is Desmond Ritter had a really good game and. I think he was a question mark going in. I didn't think he was going to be able to perform to this level. So credit to him. But overall, I think the defense did good. They won the turnover battle. I don't know. I don't know what more you could have asked for them. I think the offense kind of failed him a little bit. There was definitely some key drives where they had three and outs where the defense needed a blow and they didn't get it. And then it was right back on defense and they really had to deal with, uh, uh, an up-tempo offense at home that had the crowd behind it kind of pushing him. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that um, at the end of the day, people want to assign the blame to a lot of places. I've already told you where I think the fault lies. I think the deeper issue um, is, is that, you know, this team is good. This team is a lot better than people thought it was going to be. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a rookie head coach. It's a rookie you know, quarterback, rookie center. There's rookies all over the place. We have the most snaps for rookies this season through five weeks. Um, so it's very easy to believe like that, you know, plainly and simply we got out coached. There was a lot of situations throughout the game that were not handled as best they could be. Um, my personal, but like, like I said, I think the tone was set early in the game by not going for it on fourth and one um, early. That was, that was just for me. Um, and so looking at, the coaches staff are looking at the game as a whole. It just seems like there was a lot of points where D'Amico kind of got out, you know, like in the chess match that is coaching, you know, he got outmaneuvered, if you will. And so that, that'll happen. I don't think it's reason to be concerned. I I've spoken to this before. One of the big reasons that this team has, I have a lot more faith in this team this year 
is that last year we were in a lot of close games with good teams and we lost and um and and that boiled down to late in the game letting the lead get away and not being capable of driving and producing points late in the game and that gets into my next talking point which is that cj stroud i told you last week i said one of the big things that i hadn't seen from cj that was was needed for me personally to kind of cement his status as franchise quarterback heading on his way becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the league kind of thing was that that clutch gene you know okay we're down i'm gonna take over and i'm gonna make this happen kind of thing and so it wasn't necessarily two minute drill i believe that we put the touchdown up with like a minute 45 left but cj took the ball and and drove put a methodical drive together down you know six points and and put the texans up and gave the defense an opportunity to close the game out and so to me that was major if the defense did the job and i'm not saying it's the defense's fault but if if the defense shuts down desmond ritter which going into that game i felt like was a very possible thing to do but as i said earlier late in the game you know defense is tired you know things happen um then then that's a that's a fourth quarter comeback for cj stroud um but either way to me that's the silver lining in this is that he led a drive late in the game because last season watching the texans be within three points of teams and lose because it's like okay well we got the ball back with two minutes left and davis mills is going to run out there and give it his best effort but this year i'm like okay well cj stroud's going out there i have some confidence in this offense to produce points late do you you get what I'm saying? How how do you how do you feel on that? Well, first I want to get back to a point you made about that uh, that initial fourth and one drive, and I and I get what you're saying about how it set the tone. However, I also understand why D'Amico did what he did because the 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 all the alternate can also be true. I think had they had went for fourth and one and not got it, the momentum would have shifted the other way, and it was more important to put points on the board to kind of like, okay, we're, we're not going out empty-handed and we're not giving your uh, crowd to get a chance to have something to get fired up about. We're going to take the three points and we're going to play good defense. And I really think, if if I'm being honest, when D'Amico goes to the, to the drawing board tomorrow, he's going to say, my defense has to be better. He's not going to put this on his offense. He's going to say, they scored 19 points. I got to be able to do something with that. And uh, I understand it. I totally understand why he he would he would own that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like you said, with with a chance to seal the game, if you told me, uh, kind of like we did the story time going in last week pregame, the Texans would have the lead late and need the defense to make a stop. I'm betting on the defense to make a stop. Unfortunately, they weren't able to. Desmond Ritter was feeling himself and had a drive to get to where he needed to go and they got it done. But overall, I really like what the Texans did. Uh, tough, tough loss on the road. It's going to happen. You know, you win those games at home and we'll live to fight another day. Yeah. I, yeah, I a hundred percent see what you're saying. I mean, and, and I don't want to discredit the Falcons. I feel like personally this week, I was very much dismissive of the Falcons as a team. Um, personally, uh, looking back at like the the four NFC South games we have going, we obviously just finished the first one. A lot of people were saying four and zero, three and one, two and two. Those are the most common records that were thrown out. Um, and and I feel like optimistically, three and one was was where I was at. Um, but I I also I don't I I don't want to come across like I wasn't entirely concerned about the Falcons at all. But 
my concern with the Falcons was more superstitious than it was based in reality. And so I want to give credit to the Falcons. Desmond Ritter, you know, he, he's, we didn't exactly give him a fair shake going in this game. Um, and he stepped up and did his thing. It takes a lot as an NFL quarterback. Uh, you and me couldn't play it. We couldn't do it. And it takes a lot to step into that situation, even if it was the Texans defense giving him open holes or you know, he took advantage of what he was given and he got 300 yards and, and you know two total touchdowns. He played a great game. Um, so I, I just wanted to say very clearly that the Falcons did a great job. What do you think are the biggest takeaways from this game that we could use moving forward? We have the Saints this next week. So what what are the things that happened in this game just overall that you think are the biggest learning points the Texans need need to take moving forward in order to start continue this uptrend that we're seeing of the organization? I think that last drive, I think that's the real big thing that you take away from this is that you can hand CJ the ball in the fourth quarter and say, I need a touchdown and, and, and know that he's already done it. A lot of the times you need to feel that success, right? You need to be able on third and eight to find Dalton Schultz for a 20 yard touchdown, you know, up the seam. Like those are things that are invaluable because it's, 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 the practice, it's the repetition that he needs, the success to have to go later on down life and in other games and go, okay, I've been in this position. I can handle it. My internal clock's there. I can use this as, as a teaching tool. Okay, this is what I this is what I need to feel. This is how you know the clock goes in my head, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I saw a lot of people after that score. Um when, when I talked about it after the game, there were a lot of people that said, Well, we scored too soon. We put those points up too soon. And and a point that I'll make is Speaking once again to the Texans last year, th that same situation happens. And the tech, third and nine drop back, you know, it, Jordan Aikens drops it in the end zone. And then all of a sudden it's fourth and nine. This isn't the Colts game week 18. I'm talking about the whole rest of the season. We're fourth and nine in the red zone uh, and, and, you know, turn it over on downs and the game ends there. Like, I mean... So to, to discount CJ scoring that touchdown because it was too early or gave the other team too much time, I would rather him hit Dalton Schultz on that 20-yard route right then and there and give the defense a shot than miss that and be put in a fourth and nine situation, right? There was obviously, you could aim shorter of the sticks and try and extend that drive out and set yourself up better. But at the end of the day, putting points on the board is what matters. They did that and they gave the team a shot at winning the game. And that's all you can really ask for personally. But are there any other key takeaways that you had to speak on? I mean, I love that they won the turnover battle. That's going to be something that I think is so big going forward. Uh, this defense is is generating turnovers. And, you know, they're doing it with different guys in different situations, which I think is really good. Uh, you were able to really hold a premier running back in B. John Robinson in check. Uh, yeah, I was, and I actually – so. The past two years, I don't do it right now because I have a kid, and so I don't really have time. And I'm also doing this. I have a lot of things going on. But I coached uh, junior peewee football for the past two years, and I went to a coaching clinic because you have to go each year to, like, certify to be able to coach. And uh, the coach that was running it went through the metrics at the high school level, obviously, but I think there's some applicability of, of how winning the turnover battle gives you a win. And so if you are up are plus one on the turnover battle, you already have it you're already at a 70% chance of winning. There are very few teams that, that win the turnover battle by one that don't win. When you go, or Sorry, it's 50%. And then when you go up to two turnovers, you then shoot up to like 80% chance of winning the game. So we were up plus two in this game, the Texans were. 
And so it, it realistically, obviously the NFL is a little different than high school. But when you're winning the turnover battle like that, you should win this game. Now, that, that brings me into another question that I have for you. Do you personally think that, that this is a game the Texans should have won? Do you think that based on the way they played, that this was one that they kind of gave to the Falcons? Do you think the Falcons earned it? Like, what is your viewpoint on that? Because I've seen some people say that, you know, the Texans didn't deserve it. They came out flat and, like, they didn't earn it. And there were some people saying there was good spots, but just a couple of bad plays. Like, where, where, is your, where are you on that spectrum of the Texans, you know, deserving to win this game? I think they had an opportunity. I think people are totally discrediting the Atlanta Falcons and the fact that they're three and zero at home. I think that I have a new respect for Atlanta and what they're they're able to do with Desmond Ritter. Seeing them up close and personal, I hadn't seen them like this season, only only in the box scores that sort of thing. Um, they're a team that looks a lot like the Texans, and that's why it was such a close game. Plays pretty good defense, has some weapons on offense, and they're learning to use them. It's basically a carbon copy. So to tell me they lost a two-point uh, game, I'm probably not feeling like some of these other people that are, are, are really, I guess, I guess their their stands are really, really high. I, I I have to keep reminding people of how much youth is on this team and how much they're all learning to do this together. I mean, yeah, they get a couple wins and then you start to see the sky is the limit. But at the same time, you got to think, Okay, CJ kind of reverted back a little bit. I, if you'd have told me he was only going to throw for 249 yards, I probably would have said, I'll take the over. Um, he didn't have a terrible day, but that was a good defense on the other side. I think I need to um, apologize to the fan base because I started CJ Stroud in a couple of my fantasy leagues, and I usually try and stay away from um, what I call homerism. Uh, because, you know, and last week I almost did it. I almost said, you know what, C.J. Stroud's been really good. I'm going to put him in. But, you know, this week I felt like I didn't have any choice because Jordan Love, you know, absolutely did not give me any faith that he's going to continue being good last week. Um, so so I put him in, and I think that's what I owe to the fan base is an apology. Um, also, so to speak to that, I think that um, Patrick Storm said it best on Twitter. He said it's, it's a chicken little fan base right now. I've seen so many people give uh, – it's – the mood swings, and that's why I tried to tell you um, going into this week that I was trying to temper my expectations. I felt like I was getting ahead of myself because I don't want to become that fan that that goes from like one extreme high, like the Texans are going to go 14-0 the rest of the season, to like, oh, the season's in the crapper, call it a day, it's done. But that's what we're seeing is, is after each win and loss, you're just going to see so many people go from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I just, you know, I at the end of the day, I, I think personally that the, the Falcons are a good team and the Texans, you know, gave it their best effort and they were certainly in the game. Um, as a fan of the Texans, I'm obviously going to center and or I'm obviously going to focus on what the Texans could have done to win it. I don't want that to take away from what the Falcons did. Um, personally, I, I, I think I already said it. I've said it enough times. I'll say it a hundred times if, if I need to, because one of the things that's frustrated me throughout the Texans history is no matter how good the team is, it seems like the biggest kryptonite the team has is the red zone and scoring touchdowns in it. You can't put up four field goals and, and three of them be in the red zone. You got to put up some touchdowns. You can't get that close. That when you're that close, you got to punch it in. Um, so that that for me it leads into my big takeaways and big things that need to be carried forward going into next week, which is literally you know finishing drives. Finishing drives is a big thing, um, and then I mean defensively. I, 
I've always felt like the defense is more heavily impacted by injuries. And so we, we didn't really see it from the secondary because we didn't have anyone to challenge the secondary for the past two weeks because Trevor Lawrence is trash against the Texans anyways. And then Kenny Pickett is Kenny Pickett. But, and Desmond Ritter was supposed to be in that same line of quarterbacks, but he challenged the Texans' secondary. And so Steven Nelson's been great as CB1, but you can't help but notice that even with Tavier Thomas coming back, that the Texans were missing Derek Stingley in that secondary. So I think that recovering from injuries is always going to be a big thing the Texans need to do moving forward. They can't really do much about that except for let time pass. Uh, maybe you get a better training staff. I don't know. But that, that was my thing at the beginning of the season. I was just like, with this many injuries, you have to wonder, is the training staff doing their job? Because <laughs> because I don't I don't know. Like, I feel I, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to speak any further on it because if I'm I'm going to sound dumb if I continue to talk on that. But th- I mean, and then the other thing is is figure out how to incorporate the run game. And if you can't, then don't. I mean, if, if CJ needs to throw it 45 times a game to win the game, then like that's what needs to happen until the running game gets figured out. But I felt like there was a balance that was found the past two weeks where where we were throwing it enough early on that teams were respecting it, and then Pearson. And the other thing is a better balance of Pierce and Singletary because um, Singletary seems to be playing at least slightly better on what he's getting. Um, but getting that balance where you, you pass yourself into the run game, you, you, you get CJ going so good early that teams have to respect him and then you hand the ball off. And no matter how bad the scheme is, Pierce will probably be able to do something with it. Singletary will probably be able to do something with it. And then not playing... Tank Dell as a Debo Samuel type is also another big takeaway. Um, but <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, on that, do you do you have anything else to say about this before we forget about it and move on to the Texans being the greatest team ever to play football? Yeah, I think uh, I really I really like the take you had about the 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 Tank Dell thing. I think Singletary got phased out a little bit, and I wish he would have seen the ball a little bit more. Uh, on in the run game, I do believe there was a little bit of a balance there. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as it might have looked on 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 film, because like I said, there was 23 runs to 35 passes. I mean, when you think about it, it's not a terrible, terrible. Uh, well, and and to be fair, I'm not I'm not speaking to a lack of balance. What I'm saying is is that it it felt like early on they were trying to force the issue with the run to set up the pass, but in the past it seems like it's worked better to just come out the gate gunslinging and then you know then you can give your balance carries on plays once you've established that the pass is working now, the falcons could have shut that down i could be totally off base that's just you know this is what i'm seeing but i but what are you what were you going to say move oh, sorry sorry <laughs> it's all good i just feel like when you look at bobby slowick and when you look at where he came from you know the niners would run it to 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 fault you know what I mean? And obviously CMC is a game changer, right? And and even uh, Brock Purdy looks really good. But I mean, they were almost committed to, look, our stuff's going to work and we're just going to keep plugging until we get what we want and the defense is going to do its thing. I think the defense could have had one or two more plays back. Maybe we're talking about a Texan victory instead of a Texan loss. That's how close this game was. Uh, I understand people are going to mood swing big. I understand you come off a huge win over a Steeler team that most people didn't see us beating. You feel kind of deflated by losing to a Falcon team, which some people felt like you should win. 
However, I think with this young team, it's going to be like that. They're going to they're going to shine days and they're going to uh, be subpar. This is like the first kind of subpar game where you felt like they left a couple of plays out there. So if this is a bad day, I'll take this bad day all the time. I'm hoping all the games the rest of the season are at least this close. Uh, one of the more miserable things when the, because the team has been pretty bad recently, but even in, in the past, just watching the team early on in its history, the most frustrating losses are games where within the first quarter, you're like, okay, well, I don't need to watch the rest of this because the Texans are out of it entirely done. Um, also to speak to your big defensive plays, dude, D or uh, Jalen Petrie, when he passed the 15-yard line, I could have sworn he was gone with that fumble recovery. The fact that Desmond Ritter tackled him was so frustrating. I thought he was going to take that one to the house. But on that note, um, we've recapped the Texans and Falcons. Uh, looking forward, um, later this week, we have, we're have we going to be having young Ari Gold on the show. He's going to be talking. I, I really want to ask him um, about how people have been hounding him about his Stroud takes early on and see how he's been working through that because that's been interesting to see. Um, I think he's handled it well. Um, and so, and then later on in the week, we'll be previewing the matchup between the Texans and the Saints. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you follow us on social media. You got Third Coast Tom over, over here. You got M1 Texans fan right here on all socials. And if you're looking for the YouTube for this podcast, it is also at, at M1 Texans fan is going to be the best way to find it. Um, and then last thing on this long list of plugs we do at the end, we're on the PSF app, cover the games on game day. We were watching the game together earlier. I was not there as long as I wanted to be, but um, it's a great app. It's a great atmosphere to show up. I actually watched the Astros game for the, uh, the disappointing loss for game two of the ALDS with Tom. I was, I was in the chat room, in the chat, keeping it busy, uh, talking, talking sports, talking ball. It, it's a great atmosphere. I highly recommend you sign up, join the Texans chat room. And who knows if, if you're really like a, a really great fan of the team and you're really into it, we could we could probably set you up to be a power fan. Not probably. We'll definitely do it. We'll we definitely do it. I just I need I was looking to talk for, for his his seal of approval <laughs> on that one. But thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for uh, talking ball with us. You can hit us up on socials if you don't like what we said or maybe you could screen record it. That way we remember what we said so that we can, you know, talk to you about it <laughs> um but until next time i've been james roy this has been tom and uh yeah we'll catch you on the on the flippity flip h town forever uh goodbye